Uh, ben Tabor is going to be coming and speaking to us this morning. Uh, he's been doing his uh, internship with me this summer, which is a very difficult thing when the person doing your internship with suddenly leaves for a couple weeks to get out of the country and then gets COVID. So uh, he's been very gracious within all of that. Um, but we, we you know our church is really about raising and be, investing in people, and we want to see leaders, men and women, just be able to grow in how God has made them and gifted them and graciously walk through that with them and um, and sometimes part of that process is being able to speak into our church. And so we're really excited uh, that he's able to bring the word this morning. And so in that, let's hear it for Ben as he comes up. So uh, today, um, as Bobby said, my name is Ben. Um, it's good to see you all today. Um, I'm really excited to kind of be a part of today's service and be able to speak into not only your guys' lives, but just into the life of the church. I know Bobby talked about how in a couple weeks we're going to be starting this new um, sermon series more dedicated to this idea of returning home, but I'm hoping that this same sermon that I give you guys today can kind of be given towards that series as well. Um, I know that we have definitely been enduring a lot of interruptions this summer, but i um, Certainly, I think that this sermon especially will be uh, speaking into that a little bit more. Um, but today, I kind of wanted to think through this idea of returning home and being within the church and thinking about how we can give back to the church in that same way. And I kind of wanted to take some time to really kind of speak into the idea of biblical rest. So this is um, something that we're all really bad at. Um, biblical rest and rest in general is just something that, as human beings, we just are naturally not good at. It is so ingrained into our being that we <laughs> uh, sometimes are so bad at it that it really does tend to affect not only ourselves and our, you know, ourselves as people, but our relationship with God. Um, so this idea of biblical rest, obviously, we're going to get into more. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to pray just so we can kind of come before the Lord. So let's do that. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this day and just the opportunity to come into your presence and to speak into this idea of rest, Lord. I pray that we may come away from this message today prepared to know what rest really means, but also to take some practical and um, more illustrative ways of how we can view rest, how we can practice rest, Lord. We uh, just pray in this time that you are with us and guiding us and just giving us the willingness to see you in our each and every day, Lord, just to find hope and confidence in you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So it's, it's likely that we're all searching for some kind of rest in this time, especially considering we're post-pandemic, but also not post-pandemic. So <laughs> we got very used to the idea that we are now taking off the mask, being able to kind of communicate with each other, being able to see each other's faces. That was one thing that I know I was really missing during the pandemic was actually being able to see someone else's face when you communicate with them. It's amazing how communicative a face is and the emotion that we show each other as we communicate with each other. Um, this Delta variant has kind of thrown us for a loop. We got really excited about the idea of returning back to normal life and we're only being thrown back into it as some of us are enduring having to wear masks again, um, you know, thinking through the idea of being vaccinated just so we can protect ourselves. This is not an easy thing to think through. And through that, it's really hard to find rest. We find ourselves super stressed out by the very idea of continuing in something like the pandemic, considering it's something that has really plagued us for this entire year. And now it's been longer than a year since we've been in it. And a lot of us really just want to see the end of this. 
But also at the same time, even through the pandemic, we were even bad at rest before it. I mean, we live in one of the most pragmatic societies in the world, so fixated on work that sleep and any kind of rest is just becoming even more rare among US citizens. And especially considering the, C the fact that CDC reports that 70 million Americans suffer from a chronic sleep disorder, and that's out of a population of 328 million, which means we are close to about one in five people that have a chronic sleep disorder. So this is just, this is really discouraging because that means that there's a slight possibility that even someone in this room or someone watching online is struggling with this chronic sleep disorder or any kind, honestly. I know that a lot of times we get so fixated on the different things that we have to do in our day to day that we even forget what it's like to rest during our day or even just at night. This means, you know, our, our success-driven society has brought many to abandon their work schedules, so much so that they go on a vacation or they just leave their jobs in general. A lot of people do this with the intent of going to find themselves, quote unquote. And a lot of times that doesn't come back very successful because a lot of people go looking for this and they find that they can't find it anywhere else other than in themselves or especially for us as Christians in God. And that's kind of the idea that we're going to drive home today. So this is not only a collection of people who are sick and tired of the American work schedule, but it's a very demonstration of a very basic human need. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we find that rest is the one thing that we don't fulfill the most. It's one of the things that we feel like we struggle in the most. And in fact, biblical rest comes in many forms. And most notably, it comes in removing ourselves from the patterns of this world to find refuge in the Lord, especially for us who do believe in Christ. Biblical rest is not simply the act of sleeping, but it is returning to what is the most fundamental human need, and that need is God. So the need for God is one that is foundational in the creation account because he made us in his image. Now, as Christians, we would especially consider um, returning back to our image as something that is complete and fully self-actualizing. And a lot of times, we would consider self-actualization the return back to our form, the ultimate rest, the ultimate recognition of who we are as people. And in the Bible, Christ would make an assertion as to what this idea of self-actualization actually looks like. He would say this in Matthew 11, and he would demonstrate it himself. This is the very words of Christ. And this leads me to my first point, and that first point is rest only comes through Christ alone. So this passage today, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, it's a very short passage, it's not very long, but just the very intense amount of ideology that's embedded within it just has so much that we need to speak through today. In the first verse, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ would call out to everyone who is weary and heavy laden, and then gives them the answer to their exhaustion. So not only is Christ making this assertion that he is the idea, this, this very answer to rest, the idea of coming to him, he is asserting that he is the only one who has rest, who has any kind of fulfilling and satisfactory rest that human beings actually have. Now, as I've spoken on previously, the practice of resting in its most fundamental definition is returning to the most important part of humanity. However, Contrary to our perception of rest, Christ still demonstrates in this passage that there's an extent of work that we have to do, and that's coming to him. 
I know that a lot of this language tends to fly over our heads when we actually examine this passage, but the idea of coming to him still requires that there's something that we must do in order to achieve this rest. He would even identify his audience, like I said, the weary and the heavy laden. And in this context, it likely, it likely means being exhausted by the problems of the world and looking for rest. So Christ isn't just calling out to the weary and heavy laden because they're exhausted by any specific or particular event or you know, anything that falls into that category, but he's speaking to the people who need him most, and that's the ones that he's reaching out to. Some of us know that sustaining a Christian life is not easy in any way, so you're likely wondering how does rest come from choosing Christ daily, especially as a Christian, we know that it is not an easy decision to choose something opposite from what the world is every day. Even if these questions are not explicitly answered, Christ, Christ promises that those who come to him will find rest, and that's a quite a lofty promise. There's a, lot of different, there's a lot of different moments where Christ does not explicitly answer the ways that he does certain things, but as Christians, that is where faith comes in, obviously. But to give an example of this, I'm going to be really nostalgic with you guys today because rest is just very nostalgic. Um, imagine that you are trying to sleep at night and you are almost perfectly comfortable to the point of peak comfort in your bed. But there's one thing that you feel like you could do to achieve that peak form of comfort. It could be adding an extra blanket, taking off a blanket. It could be, you know, fluffing up your pillow. It could be many different things. If you have a memory foam mattress, it means likely shifting so that you can find a different way to get comfortable. But no matter what, there's always that one step that we must take in order to achieve peak comfort. But there's always a very strong mental block that we all have, and it keeps us from wanting to move because we are simply satisfied with the comfort that we have in that moment. So we recognize the ways that we can be more comfortable, but instead we're choosing how comfortable we are in that moment because we don't want to make the decision to become more comfortable. And in that moment, taking the extra step to make ourselves even more comfortable could mean how well our rest ends up being that night. But what Christ is offering is the eternal reward to take the difficult step to achieve ultimate comfort in him. He is the extra blanket. He is our perfect temperature or the fluffing of our pillow. He is offering the very thing that is going to make us rest even better than we have ever had before. We know and recognize what we must do in order to achieve rest, but sometimes we do not take the step to achieve it. In the place of ultimate comfort and rest, Christ offers himself. And as a believer in Christ, I also know how awful and not awful, but how difficult this decision can be each day just to choose him over our, world, or over our worldly passions. But this raises an important question. How do we accept the offer that he gives us? And that leads me to my next point, and that second point is rest is only found for those who accept the invitation that Christ gives us. Now, this is kind of a long point, so I'm going to break it down a little bit more just so we can kind of get an understanding of this. But before we do that, we're going to read verse 29. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So not only does this emphasize that the point that verse 28 made where Christ is demonstrating that only rest comes through him, but also that rest comes to those of us who accept it. So Christ is providing the way, but ultimately rest comes from our decision to choose to accept that form of rest. Now, this is really kind of driving home the idea that we really, there really is a step that we need to take because Christ uses language like, take my yoke upon you. 
Now, so for those of us who don't know what a yoke is, a yoke um, is the part of a wagon that tends to straddle in animals. It's the thing that kind of keeps them in place so they can actually pull a wagon. And in biblical themes, this typically means, um, you know, something like taking on a burden, taking on something that we must do, knowing that this is ultimately something holy and something that Christ wants us to do. So the idea of rest in, in this verse actually parallels that of faith, as we kind of saw, because they both demonstrate taking on the yoke of Christ. Faith is also the same as rest in that not only is it returning back to Christ, but it is, it is choosing to take on that yoke and make that decision. It's a very difficult decision. It is not an easy decision for us to make daily. For those of us who don't, yeah, sorry, I went through that, sorry. Um, so Christ is demonstrating that the fundamental nature of true rest is not ceasing activity, but rather that we are accepting him constantly to do his will in every moment. So as I demonstrated before, choosing Christ is absolutely not easy, but it's the idea of true and biblical rest is not ceasing all activity, but rather choosing to make the right decision to, be, to achieve true and biblical rest. So this is quite different from how we would view rest as human beings. What makes Christ's yoke more desirable? Why would we choose his over someone else's? He's obviously offering a true form of biblical rest, and he's offering himself, but why would we choose that one over another one? Now, a lot of us have very specific forms of work that we really enjoy. Some of us may even have our dream career. The reason that I bring this up is ultimately because any form of work that we really feel passionate about doesn't tire us. It doesn't make us exhausted. We might exit each shift feeling extremely exhausted, but we know that we come out of it feeling like we did something, and that is the best form of rest in itself. My wife Nikki is currently in a great position as an advocate in pregnancy care. She certainly has a lot of difficult days, and there's a lot of people to deal with and a lot of just different things that she goes through each day, but she knows that what she's doing is faithful to her calling and what she knows is true and biblical for her. And regardless of how draining that position can be, she comes out of it feeling like she did exactly what she was designed to do. Now, a lot of us might not have that job. A lot of us might come out of our shifts feeling even more exhausted and less fulfilled than when we started the day. But for those of us who do enjoy a job that we really do enjoy and feel passionate about, we come out of each day feeling fulfilled and productive and even more prepared for rest. What Christ is offering is a chance to rest in him through the taking on, his, on of his yoke because it is what human beings are fundamentally passionate about. This is quite interesting to think about because especially for those of us who do not believe in Christ, you're likely questioning why I would think that it's fundamentally passionate, you know, we're fundamentally passionate about Christ even if we don't believe in him. We cannot even escape the fact that as human beings we are made by God and the purpose of man is to return back to God because it is what man is passionate about. Even for those of us who do not believe in God, it is impossible to remove the concept of God from our lives. We may not have faith, but that does not remove our human passion to make a God of ourselves and the different details in our lives. This is why one of the first commandments spoken by God is to have no gods before him. This command was said initially not because God felt that it was important that 
that it was said first, but more so that he recognized the need that human beings had because he knew that human beings would choose something other than him. He was preparing us for the fact that we would choose something different than him. And as we saw in Exodus, that comes out as a golden calf, as idolatry. He recognizes that a man's God complex leads to immense suffering when it is untamed and results in eternal separation from him. Untamed idolatry is the fundamental nature of humanity. We will always choose to serve serve something different than God if we do not choose him first. Christ is offering us a chance to reconnect back back to what is fundamentally human about us because returning to it is the definition of biblical rest. I'm going to say that again just because I feel like this is really important. Christ is offering us a chance to reconnect back to what is fundamentally human about us because returning to it is the definition of biblical rest. Some of us may still not be convinced based off of this example. How is Christ's yoke any different from simply making a God out of myself or another object? I mean, all he's doing is making an assertion. He does not provide any type of support or any type of reasoning for why his yoke is easier than others. How is, how is Christ's life, how is rest found in him and not in something else? And this leads me to my last point. The yoke of Christ is lighter than the one that we provide ourselves. Matthew 11.30 would say, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to spend an extra amount of time on this one because while the previous verses were super important, this one really kind of drives home this idea that Christ is really the true definition of human need and the true definition of biblical rest. It's a strong assertion of a belief that Christians have, which is that Christ is the only one who can provide a yoke that is lighter than the one that we can make. The question that many of us likely have been asking for this message is how can a lighter yoke still be considered rest? I mean, how many different times would you consider doing anything rest? As a human being, I wouldn't consider doing anything a form of rest unless it was something that I'm absolutely passionate about. That's what Christ is kind of demonstrating here. For us to answer a question like that, we would have to redefine what rest actually means for us. And as human beings, it's really hard to redefine things for ourselves when we get really fixated on what that definition actually is. Now, Christ recognizes that an important need is the ability to do something and feel productive in order to achieve perfect satisfaction. This is why he would, God in the Ten Commandments, would ultimately bring home something like, have no gods before me, because ultimately, if our passions are not grounded in something holy, then there's no reason to do them at all, because it just causes idolatry and causes even more suffering than it does rest. His answer to this is by providing a form of rest that allows us to feel fulfilled by our work while also simultaneously resting. This is why his yoke is easy. It is rest that allows us to feel eternally satisfied with our work while also feeling perfectly rested. I kind of of want us to imagine a moment where we are just resting for so, you know, we're, we're taking time to really rest and eventually you know, we take vacation, we do all these different things, we escape from our work schedules, and eventually we come back to our work schedules because we know that we need to do something. And to think through this, I have one final example for all of us, and then we're going to elaborate more on this. 
So imagine childhood summers where you were able to do what you wanted. I told you guys it was going to be really nostalgic today. You were able to sleep as long as you wanted every day. You were able to go to bed as late as you wanted and wake up as late as you wanted. And yet at the same time, you could also choose to go to bed as early as you wanted and wake up as early as you wanted or sleep as long as you want. We were free to do whatever we pleased during the day. I mean, that's just, like, imagine that, as, especially as an adult, that still blows my mind. Like, the fact that as children, we had everything provided for us and we could do whatever we want. Yet, even though we could do whatever we wanted, there was still a point where we, we needed to do something. We had to go outside, we had to ride our bike, we had to, we got tired of playing video games and sitting around, we had to go hang out with friends, we wanted to do something, we couldn't just keep sitting because we knew that that's not what rest actually was. Now, this is where it gets really kind of complex. Christ provides a way for us to rest that does not drive us insane. Because I know that a lot of us as kids, sleeping in for as long as we wanted and sitting around for as long as we wanted would eventually drive us nuts no matter how many different video games we played, no matter how many different books we read, no matter how many different times we, we found ourselves resting on a day, we always felt the need to go and do something. Christ would provide a way for us to rest that does not drive us insane. Now imagine doing nothing for eternity. That would be really, really, really awful. The thing that we are promised in eternity is eternal satisfaction and connection with God. But if the satisfaction stayed exactly the same and we were just resting the same every day, wouldn't that kind of drive us insane? I mean, eternity is a long time to do nothing. There would be a time where we would beg God for some kind of work because we, <laughs> we are incapable of sitting still. No matter how introverted you are, no matter how tired or lazy or how much you procrastinate, there is still always a time that we choose to do something even though that was different than what we wanted to do the day before. Imagine that we have the option to rest simultaneously as we work. Imagine that we are so passionate about the thing that we do eternally that it provides rest as we simultaneously do something. Now, obviously, these are not particulars that we have to think too deeply about because we don't know the specifics of what eternity will look like yet. But imagine being able to be satisfied eternally and to rest eternally without being driven insane. Because eventually, rest is not rest if we just are sitting around doing nothing. It would mean that we'd have to do something in order to feel like we need to be rested again. I mean, how many different times did we see in, in something like Genesis, Adam was working in the garden. It, wa it wasn't just, hey, you get to sit around in a garden. It's, you get to work the garden. You get to toil over the fields, and you get to work really hard to do this because it's fulfilling work. It's doing it for Christ. It may be hard for us to imagine something like this, especially for those of us who don't have a dream job. Because what we do and what we're passionate about is not always the thing that we get to do in our lives. But the thing that Christ promises is an eternity doing exactly what we are passionate about, an eternity resting and working and being satisfied and fulfilled for eternity. There is no denying that the actions of work and rest happen simultaneously in this passage because they happen in conjunction as Christ is saying it. I mean... Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
He asked them to come to him. That's a decision. Take my yoke upon you, for it's easier than the ones that you can create for yourself. Christ not only offers us our most basic and fundamental human needs, but he offers himself, which is our fundamental human need. Some of us may hear this and may be rejoicing at the thought of eternal rest that we cannot be driven insane by. The idea that we can be eternally fulfilled and satisfied is quite a good thought, especially considering so much of us live in, you know, we, we, we live in such a pragmatic society that we can't choose to do anything different than the work that we do each day. And for those of us who do, know, who do not know Christ, I want you to know that to find true rest, you must accept Christ. This is an assertion that he makes, and this is an assertion that I make now. You cannot find true and fulfilling and satisfactory rest outside of Christ. There is no other place you can find it. We see it in this passage. He makes the assertion himself, but ultimately, God is the one who fulfills our every need. He is the one that gives us eternal satisfaction and eternal fulfillment. There is no true and eternal rest without him fulfilling our needs. And he is the only one who can. For those of us who are in Christ, we must make the decision to constantly choose Christ's will over our own and to do his commands in order to find true rest. We saw this in the second point. There is still a decision that we have to make to choose that blanket or to remove that blanket or to fluff our pillow. There is still a decision that we have to make to achieve that ultimate fulfillment. Now, I really do want to emphasize that our salvation is not found within our works. It is ultimately provided by the work of Christ. That's why he says to choose him, not choose to do holy works. He says choose him. Because he is the one that provides the solution to those who are weary and heavy laden. So for those of us who are in Christ, we must make the decision to choose his will, to choose him daily. I know it's a difficult decision, but it is a decision that we must make in order to achieve this form of rest. We must pray that he demonstrates his will to us so that we can find eternal satisfaction and fulfillment in that. Because there's no other way to feel the rest of being joined to him other than choosing him. He doesn't just force himself upon us. It's something we must choose. Eternal rest and satisfaction and fulfillment is found in choosing him. And taking the time to make a hard decision to choose something different than what the world tells us to choose. That is ultimately what true and biblical rest actually is. And that is... Christ. It's him. He provided a way for us to find the Father. He provided us a way to find him and to choose to do something different than what the world tells us to do. And ultimately, the definition of true rest is not only this idea that we can just sit around forever, but it's that we get to do something that we are fundamentally passionate about. We can't do anything different than choose Christ if we want biblical rest. We really need to be praying deeply about this because this is a, this is a very, very, very tough topic and subject, especially considering we have this idea of rest so embedded in our heads and one that we, 
where we just sit around and do nothing all day. But the will of God is the one that's demonstrated to us that ultimately gives us the way to him. Choosing him daily is not easy, but it is the way to be fully satisfied and fulfilled. We really need to be praying deeply about this, especially for those of us who do know Christ. We need to be praying deeply that he may show it to us in order that we might do the things that he has commanded us to do so that we can find rest. And for those of us who don't know Christ, pray that you may know him today. Because I can guarantee you that there is absolutely no other way that we can find biblical rest and true satisfactory rest outside of him. We must pray to know this even more truly today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity to know you better today. We thank you for your continued guidance in the ways that you show what rest actually means and the ways that you satisfy us and fulfill us and give us the answer to the ways that we need help, the ways that we need to know you better, Lord. I pray that we may know you better. We thank you just for your consistent guidance and your will demonstrated to us that we might find hope and confidence in you. We thank you for your for your love for us and the ways that you provide for us. We thank you for rest and the ways that you grant rest to us, Lord. Pray that we may know you better today, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ben, so much. Um, what a sh- like you said, a short passage, but powerful one, just thinking about the rest which God gives us. And we're going to take that and just this, this passage and these truths and bring them to communion. Um, if you don't have um, one of the little communion elements, if you want to raise your hand, Gabby will bring you one. Um, and then uh, people at home, if you want to grab uh, stuff, here, I'll give you mine. I'll take that. She'll bring you one. Um, we'll be receiving communion. In, in just anyone, Gabe. And then two up here. The first place in the scripture that we hear about rest is in Genesis and the idea of God resting and this really powerful image of the fact that God is in control. There's no chaos. Things are as they should be. Things are where they should be. Things are made as they should be. And he is good. I gave mine to somebody. And um, it's not a picture of, you know, that God was worn out, but God was taking his place at the wheel of the universe, if you will. So this idea that we, God will, Jesus gives us rest, that we come under his control, we come under his reign, we come under his leading. We're not trying to make that identity ourselves. We're not trying to find that significance ourselves. Because like Ben said, nothing else can do that. It's only in him that we have life. It's only in him that we have purpose. It's only in him that our hearts find what they're longing for and searching for. And you know what it's like to work really hard and just be worn out, to work really hard and, and be exhausted. 
But, but take that idea further in two possibilities. We know what it's like to work really hard and be exhausted and then find out that it was all for nothing. Have you ever done a project and spent a lot of time on your project and then a boss or a professor or somebody will come in and go, oh, we're going to do something different. We don't need this. And you're like, I just spent all this time doing this. Has anybody ever had that great experience? Many, that's what it's like to find purpose and rest and identity on our own. At the end of the day, that's not going to do it. It's not what's needed. But we know the idea of putting that work in, putting that effort in, and at the end, it's like, this is exactly as it's supposed to be. We can't do that. But Jesus has. And he says, come and take what I've done. Come and take my control. Come and take my lordship. Come rest in me. It says in Psalm 62, Trust my, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I, I, I want you to bring that into communion. This passage that Ben and Matthew, that Ben has spoke through, this passage in Psalm, how does this speak to your heart? Are you resting in him? Have, have you found salvation from the Lord? Is he your fortress? I, I don't know how life has been for you. Maybe you have just been going and going and going and you're worn out and you're frustrated and you're exhausted and it's like you just need to come and be like, you're like my daughter just wanting to come home. I just want to be in my bed. Maybe you just need to come and be reminded of who you are in him. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you're seeing some things. It's like, oh, this is not how it was supposed to be. Then, then come and rest in him and his forgiveness and his grace. Maybe you're trying to figure out what next steps are, what to do, what, what does God have for you. Come and rest in his control and his, his knowledge and his hope. We need to come to him. We need to come to him and rest in him. And so what we do before we receive communion is just take a moment to be in God's presence. Like what Hannah said earlier, let's just be quiet before him and, and bring to him your exhaustion, your failures, your uncertainties, your questions, your hopes, whatever those things are, and say, God, I need to rest in you with these things. I need to rest in you with my life be quiet and let's maybe you need to be quiet and let him speak to you but let's be quiet before him prayerfully for a moment and then we'll receive communion together god i pray you would speak to our hearts i pray you would encourage our hearts i pray you would say spirit to us exactly what we need to hear let's be quiet before him for a moment
Would you stand with me and we'll receive communion together? Hebrews chapter 4 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. We need to be resting in the reality of what God has done, of the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection, his return, that he allows us to be restored back to God. That's what communion is about. It's remembering that there was a moment when Christ took all of our sin upon himself so that God's righteousness could be put on us, so that we could be forgiven, so that we can be restored, so that we can know that we are children of God. And if you're in here today and that's, that describes you, you find your salvation in him, he is your fortress, then this is a moment of remembering and identity and worship. If, this, if that isn't something that you've done, then you, you shouldn't be taking communion. You have nothing to remember. You have something to receive. You don't need to do communion right now. You need to have a moment of prayer where you surrender your life to God, where you receive what this is all about. That's salvation. And if you have questions about that or anything, I would love to talk to you about ser- after service. But in this moment, if you know I need to give my life to God, then do that. God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge that you paid for it on the cross. I acknowledge I only can find life in you. Please forgive me and make me your child. Whatever that, however you can communicate that in truth from your heart to him, that's what you need to do right now. But let us have this moment of worship together. God, I pray that you would remind us of the reality of who you are, that you are God Almighty, that you died in our place, that you conquered sin, you conquered death by rising from the dead, that you give us life, you have invited us into the resurrected life, that we have a new identity, we are your children, we are not alone, we are connected, we are part of something greater than ourselves. God, help us to find rest in those truths, to find rest in who we are in you, to find rest in you. Forgive us for the times where we try to find rest in other things, when we try to do it on our own and we make our souls more exhausted. God, I pray that you, as it would bind us as a church, as a family of people who are resting in you, we ask all these things in your name. We remember in your name. Let's receive communion together. We are grateful, God, for your broken body, your blood, your body, the cross, the empty tomb, your resurrection, the life that we have in you. God, help us to live every moment of our lives resting in these truths. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The team's going to lead us in a final song, and it's an invitation song.